Welcome to the world of fashion, where any and everything is possible, where nothing is something and something is everything. Join me, your host, Aisha Go, on this journey as we explore and discuss topics, areas of concern, and issues in the fashion industry. Hey everyone, welcome to Seems Real, the fashion podcast that explores and discusses areas of concerns, issues, and topics all pertaining to fashion and the fashion world. I hope everyone had a wonderful 4th of July weekend, and despite it being a holiday weekend, you know, people had a nice three days off if you work the traditional nine to five. Um, fashion definitely has not paused, it has not missed a beat, oh, excuse me. There are a lot of things that have happened and are going on. So um, some things are Isabel Morant is currently for sale. Dior is confirming their new creative director, um, which happens to be the creative director that was at Valentino. So Valentino has, you know, admitted to um, their creative director exiting, and Dior has announced that the creative director will be coming there. Um, what else has been going on? Um, oh, pa- how can I forget? Paris Fashion Week is currently going on. So there, there's a lot going on. Um, fashion never stops, definitely never sleeps. But for this particular episode, I want to talk about a BOF exclusive that was just announced on July 5th, which is the launch of Vogue Arabia. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because... In a previous episode of this podcast, I talked about how fashion is kind of um, appropriating Muslim religion and Muslim culture. Some people felt strongly about that fashion shouldn't be encouraging um, that sort of culture because of what we see in the media, which is definitely a bad assumption to have because we can't assume that everyone from one particular area does the things that a small portion, a small group does, um, while others felt as though that, again, it's appropriation, which is something that is spoken about a lot within fashion. People from other places just kind of stealing and taking the essence of someone else's culture or someone else's fashion and making it their own without any accreditation or without any actual ties to said place that they're getting this inspiration from. So because of that, and also because of what's going on in the news, what we see happening, um, I wanted to talk about this. But first, let me give you all the facts and the takeaways of the BOF article, just so you have the backstory and you know what um, what is currently going on. And then we can have a discussion and talking about, you know, whether it's good, whether it's bad, where we see it going in the future, are there ways to improve, is this a, a good idea, and set forth. So, this fall, Condé Nast International will be launching a Vogue Arabia edition, which is actually going to be the 22nd edition of Condé Nast, um, with Saudi Princess Dina Aljuhani Abdulaziz as its editor-in-chief. Um, Princess Aljihana Abdulaziz is actually a mentor for fashion designers and artists in the area. Um, and she's also the founder and director of DNA, which is an exclusive boutique. Um, and already I could kind of see the, the, the ties and correlation to Anna Wintour. Um, just from the fact that she's a mentor and she helps emerging designers and she's serving for a voice for the future of fashion already. Um, I see that connection and I think that that's a great element to have because that's something that can't be taught. That's something that 
you know, has to come natural and really be authentic, especially when it comes to being one with the people and starting to build these bonds and relationships with people for the future, which I think is great. Um, also, two other appointments have been announced in regards to Vogue Arabia. So, Daniela um, Agnelli it has been appointed as a fashion director, and she has heard, had several um, senior roles within um, Britain's Daily, Daily, ooh, Daily Telegraph newspaper for the past 15 years. Um, and then also Katerina Mint uh, will be joining the team as a features director. She is currently the managing editor of style.com slash Arabia, which we'll talk about style.com slash Arabia a little later on in this podcast. So, and and all of this coming together, um, Condenas is actually partnering with a Dubai-based media company called Nervoya, which um, which has been around since 2009, I believe. And their partnership and um, Vogue Arabia is actually going to start off as a website, a dual-language website. So the website, again, will launch this fall, and it will be in Arabic and also English. And then next spring, they will be launching the print edition, which I know is a little non-traditional for publishing in general because typically you start off with some form of print, you know, print media, and then you move on to the digital space. But we see how the digital space and digital platforms have have changed everything, changed the dynamic of how we interact with one another, how we gather information, how we distribute information. So to me, it makes sense to start off with digital you know, get a good feel, establish a presence, establish a voice and tone um, for the publication. And then in the spring, you figure out what's the best way to put out the print edition. Maybe it's not something that comes out every month. Maybe it's quarterly. Maybe it's bi-monthly. I don't know. But I think, again, for this being really new, um, that it makes sense to start off digital and then you figure out the strategy from there. I know it kind of seems like working backwards, but again, in the state, an age that we're in right now and also where fashion is and especially because again this is a whole a whole new area that they're tapping into you kind of got to throw some feelers out there before you start to put the print um, pieces out and this also makes sense too because as I mentioned um, Katerina is the managing editor of style.com slash Arabia so Cone Nas and um, Nervoya have already partnered together and they launched style.com slash Arabia, which is obviously a part of Condenas, but it's specifically like, you know, style.com digital platform, um, which focuses on fashion within um, the area of the Middle East. So now they're going to be replacing that and relaunching that with Vogue Arabia. So while it is kind of the still same elements, it's the same premise, but they're going to be redoing it to really have that full um, Vogue feel and that Vogue brand. Um, okay, and then just to give you some projections and some statistics, so last year, according to a report by Bain and Company, the Middle East and Northern region of Africa, um, the mark, their personal luxury goods market grew by 19%, and, um, the, the profits, well, the, the dollar amount, so it grew by 19%, but the dollar amount is estimated at $9 billion. So this is definitely a market that is obviously into fashion. Um, we've seen it too with not only like movies and television shows, but you see a lot of celebrities going there and just from looking at some of the shows that take place 
there and people that are from the area, you could see that they definitely do like luxury. They like nice things. It's very um, modern and chic and sleek, uh, especially when you're talking about places like Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So again, looking at these projections and already looking at the sense of fashion and the essence of the area, again, all of this is just making sense for for them to launch a Vogue Arabia, especially because when you think of Vogue, Vogue is like the pinnacle, the mecca, the top of the top, upper echelon when it comes to fashion, um, design, creativity, style, luxury, like you definitely think of Vogue. So again, all of this is definitely making sense. Now, while this makes sense, in the past there were some reservations. So Jonathan Newhouse, who is the chairman chairman and chief executive of Condé Nast International, a few years ago had a statement to make about the region and as to why um, there would be no presence there in regards to Vogue. And he said that the region had, quote-unquote, an element that rejects Western values of freedom of expression, equality for women, and expression of sexuality. Obviously, since then, his thoughts and opinions have changed since they will be launching this fall. But um, I think that while, while you do have to respect... Um, him speaking out and worried about the integrity of the company and being very cautious and strategic as to where they um, where they branch off to and where they spread and grow to. I definitely think that having you know the princess be a part of this and serve as editor in chief and having others on the team that really know the the region and really know what goes on in fashion. I definitely think that it'll be able. To, to transform and transcend any um, any you know hesitation or preconceived notions that people may have of the area because when you think about it if we're not from the area and we don't know it we're we're making assumptions or you know sometimes we're trying to make educated guesses but we're really not in it you know we're not in the field we don't know what's going on we're just outsiders looking in and making again like assumptions based on what we see in the media so to actually have people that are on board and on the team from the area and know what's going on and are, again, um, have relationships with the emerging designers and know who the young talents are and can see where the, where the vision is going, I think it helps tremendously. And I think that the past um, reservations about fashion will definitely cease to exist because they'll see how, how it really isn't like that. And just like what we consider freedom of expression might be different from what they consider freedom of expression. You know, what we consider equality for women, while we do know that some places are a little less open than others. But again, I, I just think that having people that are from the area will add a different element, a different um, dynamic to to the publication. And I think that it's a great idea. Um, Again, just from me seeing what's been going on in the Middle East fashion-wise, and I love it. Um, I definitely, to me, it's just like super luxury, super sophistication, just very sexy and like not sexy in like a... Um, like a salacious way where it's like, oh, only skin or... No, just sexy just with like the... I don't know. It just gives me just this like feel and essence, and I just love it. I think that it's great. Um, 
And then also, just this is the last little um, fact that I'm going to give out before we really dive into the conversation. Um, Vogue Arabia is also going to be, an element of it is going to be support, again, those emerging designers within fasheries and fashion and accessories. I just combined those two words and said fasheries, sorry. But within um, fashion and accessories and um, helping to move them forward, so there was originally an award called the Fashion Prize, which is an annual award for designers, but now it's going to be relaunched as the DDFC slash Vogue Fashion Prize, which makes sense when you think of, you know, the um, the CFDA and the, the annual award that they put together every year for emerging fashion designers and helping them out launch their business. So those are like some of the key takeaways from the article, but I definitely do encourage you to read the article. Again, it is on the business of fashion and it is called Cone Dinas to launch Vogue Arabia. Now, I want to talk more about why I think that this is a good idea. Um, again, so in a previous episode of podcast, we talked about Muslim religion and culture and how some fashion houses and designers are appropriating the culture by creating fashion just for the moment because it's hot now. It's a demographic that hasn't been really marketed to or tapped, um, hasn't been tapped into yet. They see it as a cash sign and a dollar. Um, while some other people had re- reservations saying that, you know, we shouldn't be condoning and promoting the basically the negative parts that we see in the media but i think that this is a good idea because um why not you know what i mean like it's obviously there are people that like fashion they have style they have a voice and no one could express their voice better than them i think if we were to create a american-based magazine that was targeted to the Middle East without actually having been to the Middle East or having people on a team from the Middle East. I felt like that would be really silly because it's like, what can we, what can we tell them? How can we speak to them if we don't speak their language? And I'm not saying, no pun intended, would speak their language. But, you know, we don't see fashion the way that they see fashion. So how can we have a full conversation and speak to them and also be a representative for them? We can't. So it makes sense to let them have their voice. Now, I do like the fact that it's a partnership between Conde Nast and Nervoya. I think that with the partnership, they'll be able to create a finished product that really pleases both sides. So they'll be able to create a finished product that aligns with Conde Nast and the voice and tone that they have set up for Vogue. But then they'll also allow them to create a product that really speaks to the culture and essence of the people. um, Opposed to just putting something together where both parties aren't pleased. Because, again, um, Conde Nast could have easily created this magazine or just had a magazine that catered to like you know had like for example um of old africa and just try to cater to everyone within the continent but it's hard to do that because it's a continent you know what i mean like there are so many different countries each country has their own dialect they have their own cultures they have their own you know um I don't necessarily want to say rituals. That's not the right word that I'm looking for. But they have their own customs. Like, they have their own way of living and how they do things. So it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense to just lump them all into one. And I think, too, that Vogue, creating a Vogue 
Arabia. I love the fact how they're just banishing these fears and, you know, these preconceived notions of the people from the area. Um, we see it all the time in the news when they talk about ISIS or when some unfortunate event happens and the the assailant or the person that committed the crime, you know, they already are like, oh, this person has an affiliation with, you know, the Muslim religion or they have an affinity to this group and that group and I think Vogue doing this it stands up and it definitely says a lot not just about the fashion of the culture of the area I'm sorry the fashion of the region but also just in general stating that they're not afraid to stand up and accept the region with open arms and say you know like we're international you know so how can you say that you're an international company you're not fully international or you're being very selective and picky and choosy with who is accepted and who's not now i do know that the fashion world has been criticized a lot for this um the the sense of exclusivity or um, it not being very inclusive and very welcoming to people, which I do think that there is more change that needs to be made. And I do think that they can do better, but you have to start off somewhere, right? So I see Vogue Arabia as being a start to something. I feel like it is a start of change. And change is always good. Change is great. You should embrace change. Um, I do hope that with this magazine that it's that the um the title Arabia and the who it's going to be shipped to being people in the Middle East and northern um northern region of Africa which I think the projection was it's about 30 million people that it's going to be sent to or like um they, not necessarily sent to, but like targeted towards like people within the area. But I do hope that the essence of the Middle East is cohesive and you see it throughout the entire publication. So on the website and not just, you know, saying it is because it's in Arabic, but representation of the models. So who are the models that are included? Who are the fashion designers that are included um i know it is based on ad space and you know who could buy what which is a huge portion of publishing in general but still have some essence of the culture you know talk about restaurants in the area talk about the clubs in the area talk about just just being true and authentic to what what's being pitched to us right now and um what they're telling us now does this mean and just so this, sorry, it's taking me a, it's like, it's a lot going on in my mind and a lot that I want to talk about with this. Um, but just with this too, I see this as a stepping stone and then it makes me curious to think what's going to happen next and how does this statement that Condé Nast International is making, how is this statement going to play with um, the, not play with, but how, how is this going to influence, you know, the other the other publications under the Coldenas International if they aren't already there. So A, how is it gonna influence the publications that are already there for different countries? Like is 
uh, Vogue Arabia the way to kind of like break through? Like, is it like an icebreaker, a way to break through that glass ceiling in a way and shatter fears and assumptions, which will in turn allow the other um, editions of Vogue to be, I don't know, a little more vocal or a little more a representation of what's fully going on within their country if they haven't already and also b it makes me think does this mean that other countries that haven't been represented under the vogue umbrella which do have potential which do have the demographic which do have the the fashion does this mean that they are going to start to take those those strides also um to establish a voice there and a presence there as well. Because, again, I really think that this is huge just because, the again, going back to the element of fear and the, the reservations that people had already by assuming that, you know, the culture represented this or represented that. And I think that what's going on right now is great, especially because um, I love watching documentaries and I love watching movies. I'm really getting into international movies and um, foreign films. But I've watched a documentary that talked about women um, in the Middle East. And, for example, they talked about like, the hijab, which is um, custom for women that are part of the Muslim faith and religion to wear. Not all of them wear, but some do. And some did talk about how they felt like restrained, but then there were others that really embraced it and felt actually empowered from wearing it. So just that that uh, dual perspective is something that we as outsiders don't always see. We might only see one, and we might only see like, oh, well, you know, these women are being forced to cover up, and, you know, it's degrading, it doesn't empower them. But since we're outsiders and we don't know, we don't know that some people, some women actually really take pride in wearing their hijab. Some women have, you know, done things like, you know, embroidery, embellishing it, or making it, you know, making it their own and really, again, just embracing it and feeling empowered and feeling womanly. And who are we to say that because you can't wear a miniskirt that you're not empowered as a woman? Or who are we to say, you know, if you decide to cover up that it's not fair because, you know, as a woman, you know, you should be able to. And I, I'm not saying as a woman you don't have rights and you shouldn't be able to make your own decisions. You should, but it seems as though we're very hypocritical with that because we'll say, oh, you should be able to make your own decisions, but then when women are making their own decisions, it's like it's not good enough for us. We're like, no, that's the wrong decision. You shouldn't have, the, you shouldn't have this decision. You should feel like this because of, and then whatever reason is, is behind it. So, um... I, again, I know I'm being, like, really repetitive, but it's because I'm really excited, and I really do think that this is a good thing. Good thing. I think that a lot is going to come from this. I think that it's going to be a lot that we can learn about the region, about the people, and about the fashion. So when designers are inspired by, you know, the Middle East or are inspired by a specific era or a specific street or place within the Middle East, like specific country, having a Vogue Arabia will be like that reference and resource that they can look to bef as they, you know, draw in their inspiration and create their pieces. So 
it won't seem like appropriation. Like they'll actually know where these ideals and customs come from, um, what the actual terminology and name of them are, who are the influencers and people that pushed it forward, opposed to just saying saying things that are very generic or having no knowledge. There you go. Like having like no knowledge and no backstory as to why things are the way they are, but are just going around and taking it and trying to make it their own. So that's my thoughts and opinions um i definitely want to hear what you guys think about this if you think that it's a good idea if you think it's bad um if you think that it's possibly just a fad and they're doing it now because of again the um demographic hasn't been tapped into but i definitely do see this as being um something great especially with again having a princess as the as the as the face of vogue arabia i think it says a lot especially because of her involvement with fashion already the young and emerging designers and then she's a princess in the area it's like she's a princess also so she's known and she has she basically has um not necessarily like a certain modesty but she people respect her she's already looked at in a high regard so to have vogue arabia i definitely think that it's going to be something that's going to be um it's going to be well put together and it's going to also be looked at as a high regard also because it's something that she's involved with, something that she's taken seriously and people will be more open open to it and um, a little more open-minded. So that is this week's episode. Again, feel free to comment. Let me know what you think, if you think this is a good idea again. And also, if you haven't, feel free to go back and listen to my episode about the appropriation of the Muslim culture within the fashion industry also. So then you can see where I was going with that. So thank you so much for listening. Um, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, feel free to, again, comment, uh, repost this, share, and also follow me on SoundCloud so you can stay up to date with new episodes. And, ooh. <coughs> and if you're listening to this on iTunes, definitely Please, please, please rate this rate this podcast so I know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, um, what serious issues are really going on in fashion so that we can talk about it. So, again, thank you. I hope you guys have a wonderful week and wonderful weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.